You're listening to the Blended Family Podcast, a weekly show with a strong focus on strategies and methods to help your family thrive. Blended families face many difficulties and challenges, which can sometimes drive families apart. The goal of this podcast is to help your blended family grow together through these challenges to create the peaceful and loving home you desire. Here is your host, Melissa. Hey there, you're joining me for 249th episode of the Blended Family Podcast. We are very excited over here. It's been six years of doing the show, and we're about to hit that milestone episode of 250, which we're going to get to after we get back from the holiday break. But I would love for you all to please participate in that show. I know that I mentioned this to you last week, but if you missed it, what I am asking for is for you to just send me what you think is the number one tip that you learned from the Blended Family Podcast. You can email it to me, you can Facebook message me, or you can leave me a voicemail at speakpipe.com slash blendedfamilypodcast. Just let me know. It doesn't have to be long, just a quick tip. And I'm hoping to include all of those tips in the very special show number 250. So if you missed last week, we talked to Angela Lee, and she was talking to us about magic and how to bring magic into our lives. And then next week, there will be no show. There will actually not be a show until January. I'm not sure if it's going to be the first or the second week, depending on how things go. But I'm going to take a break in the next couple of weeks. You know, this is This is the first year that I've ever been through a holiday season where I'm feeling so much more peaceful than I usually do. And that's just because I'm not pushing myself to the extremes that I have for so many years. You know, year after year, we would just work so hard just trying to get things for the kids and make sure that the holidays were perfect for everybody else. Yet we were exhausted, we were overworked, And we weren't having any fun, you know? And this is the first year that, yeah, we have have less money, but we have more time. And time is one of those things that is so priceless, isn't it? You can't get the time back. And sadly, I have so many regrets about time that I've missed over the years with my kids because of my working. And I know I I have to be gentle with myself because I was doing what I needed to do to survive at the time. But what's crazy is we're making half of the money this year that we did last year, and somehow we're still surviving. We just have less things, and we go out less. And we're paying for less, but you know what? It's okay. Because what we learned this year was how to rest, and that it's okay to rest, and it's okay to have time to sometimes be bored and not have to fill that space up all the time with a task or an errand or something to do. It's amazing. So I really want to leave you with a few tips as you move on into this new year, 2021. And it's so crazy because I remember sitting here last year thinking, goodness 2020 is going to be our year it's going to be epic and amazing and little did we know what was really ahead of us at the time 
And we said this is going to be the year of clear vision. And you know what? I say that it was. Maybe we saw things that we didn't want to see. But boy, did a lot of people wake up and understand a lot of what's going on in our world. And really also, we had a chance to stop and look at what's going on maybe in our family, in our home, in our relationships. I notice a lot of relationships failing this year. I notice a lot of career changes this year. All kinds of changes for people. So what really changed for you this year? And are you even aware of it? Are you paying attention to your life and to what's going on? So the first tip that I have as you move into 2021 is to leave your negativity and baggage behind. I know it's easy to take that negativity with us because it's really hard to be positive right now with everything going on, but you can be. You have to understand that we can't control anything that happens outside of us. We can't control what's going on in the world with the government, with this virus, with whatever you're struggling with. The only thing we can control is our inner world and how we act out in the world. So we can control trying to go into this new year with more of a positive attitude, with a can-do attitude. And so the next tip is, this is time for a fresh start. You can reinvent yourself. If you figured out what was working and what wasn't working in 2020, because that was the year to see that, then what do you want to change this year? Because life isn't always going to be shut down. It's not always going to be like this. Things are going to start to change, hopefully pretty rapidly soon. And so when that happens, what are you going to do? What are you going to change? Are you going to start a new hobby? Are you going to end a relationship? Are you going to try to mend relationship with your stepkids or with an ex? What do you think? I mean, I know the thing that I learned this year, the biggest thing I learned was the whole workaholic thing. I learned that I will never do that again. I will never, never, never do that to myself again. And I'm going to try to take this year and take more time for self-care. I'm going to continue what I started in 2020, the things that worked for me. But guess what? The things that didn't work, the things that made me sad or angry or upset, I'm leaving those behind. I don't want to take those thoughts with me. Will I have bad things happen to me in 2021? I'm sure they will. But I'm not going to start my year thinking about that. I'm going to start my year with hope, thinking that things are going to get better. And I'm going to really take care of myself because that did work for me and that is healing me. So I would love to hear what you guys are going to implement in this new year. Let me know. And then last I want to say is be gentle with yourself and your family members. You know, they're going through shifts as well, not just you. And I don't know what kind of shifts everyone's going through. We're all going through something different, but don't think for one minute that your kids aren't going through some crazy stuff as well. We all are. They're not immune from it. Nobody is. So we need to like practice non-judgment. We need to practice gratitude. And we need to be gentle with ourselves. We need to love ourselves through whatever this all is happening because we will get through it. 
but it's so hard, I know. So I just want you to stay hopeful this holiday season. This is a new year we're heading into. You can make changes in your blended family. You know, I know that I feel in a better position than a lot of people because my kids are a little bit older. But don't think for one second that I don't remember every single emotion that some of you are going through right now as you're approaching this really chaotic time of year that's supposed to be a time of joy, but we've been like brainwashed into thinking that we need to do all this stuff and have all this stuff and be everything to everybody. And that's not really what it's about. So I hope this year that one of the things you did learn, like me and my family, is that time and connectedness are more important than material things. It really, really is. So I hope that you guys find some magic in your holiday season. I hope that you start this new year with a really positive attitude and some, even some excitement for what the year is going to hold for you and your family. Just a really positive can-do attitude. That's what I wish for all of you. So I will be back sometime in January, probably the beginning of January. And we've got some great shows coming after the holidays for you, some great interviews lined up. One in particular that I'm really excited for is we're going to have an organization specialist on the show. And I know that that's something that blended families really need when we have sometimes too many people and too little home. And so um, we've got lots of other things coming as well. So enjoy your holiday season, whatever it is that you celebrate. I love you all so very much, and we'll talk to you soon. Enjoy this interview with my guest, Tiffany Gravel. Living the Good Life Naturally is a self-care company focusing on magnesium. Statistics show that up to 50% of the U.S. population is magnesium deficient, which can cause a multitude of health issues, including headaches, muscle cramps, seizures, hair loss, and more. Kristen Bowen, founder, created the company out of her own personal health struggles. So she really cares, and she has a mission to help others achieve optimal health. I myself am a huge believer in these products, and I use them on a daily basis. It's been especially helpful for my anxiety and my pain. Try the magnesium soak, the magnesium spray, or the delectable bath bombs for an extra treat. And check out the website to see the entire product line and learn more at livingthegoodlifenaturally.com. Or you can go back and listen to episode number 237 when Kristen was on this show. Don't forget to use my promo code BLENDED to receive a special discount. Order today and get your health back. Tiffany Gravel is an author, professional events planner, and business consultant with over 25 years of experience in business development, leadership, and managing high-performing teams, including her blended family of seven. She holds the Certified Meeting Planner designation from the Events Industry Council and is a credit union development educator. You'll never catch Tiffany without her trusty paper planner and black coffee. And when she's not celebrating everyone and everything by spreading joy and glitter, 
Tiffany is a mom and proud stepmom of two teenagers and three adults, the wife of a mountain bike addict, lake rat, Red Sox fan, avid reader, foodie, and dog lover. Welcome to the show, Tiffany. I'm so glad you could join me today. Thank you so much for having me on. I'm, I'm really excited to be here. Well, obviously, we're here to discuss your book, Blended Not Stirred. But before we do, I really just want to give you a moment, Tiffany, to introduce yourself, tell us a little bit about your blended family so that my listeners can understand that you're coming from a place of experience, which I think is really, really important. So, Of course. So our blended family story started back in 2011, and um, my now husband and I had both been divorced uh, for about three years. And so I had done some dating and um, just all failing miserably at it. So at that point, my daughters, who were 10 and 7 at the time, hadn't met anyone that I had been seeing until I introduced them to my husband. And uh, let's just say from the very beginning, it it was kind of hate at first sight in our instance um, and the same thing on the opposite side, my husband had three kids. Um, one was the same age as the, his oldest was the same age as my youngest. She was seven. And then he had a set of boy girl twins that were five. And, um, we of course didn't move in together right away. We introduced ourselves to the kids and kind of let them get to know each other because at that point we were serious and then um, we moved in together. And in that case, uh, it presented its own challenges because um, my daughters and I moved in with my husband full-time, and he had his kids on a rotating schedule. So it was a pretty large adjustment for everybody. So fast forward now, um, almost 10 years, and my husband and I have been married for a year. We got married in 2019. And our kids are now um, almost all adults. Our uh, oldest daughter is 20, almost 21. We have two 18-year-olds. And then we have the twins are 15, almost 16. So we started small and blended through all those tumultuous, you know, middle school and high school years, and we are standing on the other side ready to tell our story. Well, that is amazing, and life experience sure does really help us to do what we want to do in the future. And I know that you, this book came out recently, and so I was going to ask what prompted you to write the book now, but it sounds like you want to take your experience and use it to help others. Um, but I would still love to know um, how that came about, deciding to write this book, and why you came up with the name Blended Not Stirred, because it's a good name. It's cute. Oh, thanks. You know, the book actually started in 2014 by way of a really rough day with the kids. And I was sitting at work in my office and I thought, gosh, I wish I had some help. I wish people could tell me what I've learned the hard way. And so I wrote out um, a list of topics on a bunch of sticky notes and put it on my desk and I took a picture of it. And then I threw them away and just hung on to the picture. And um, and honestly, in 2014, we were still in the thick of it. We were not what I considered 
um, blended. And so um, this year, after we've kind of experienced a couple really beautiful years together as a cohesive family, um, and then when COVID hit, I found that I had uh, some time on my hands. Um, the event industry uh, came to a halt. And I thought um, it was time. It was time to tell the story about our family. So I actually, uh, it's a tiny book. It's an easy to read, um, you know, sit down, portable, um, easy to digest information. But I was able to just write it in three days because I had so much in there, I think, that was just ready to come out. (laughs) And (laughs) as far as the name goes, uh, Blended Not Stirred, you know, I kind of wanted a a play on sort of the, you know, maybe why mommy needs to drink sometimes <laughs> and uh, was thinking blended, you know, sh- blended, not shaken. And I thought, you know what, we're, we're not shaken. Um, we were stirred and now, now we've truly fit the blend. So that's sort of where the name came from is just sort of a funny play on words, but ended up being, you know, significant to our family. I love your story, and I love that you're here to tell people that it wasn't easy for you because I think a lot of people are like, oh, everything's great because not everybody's honest. And I like that you're coming out and saying it wasn't easy, but you've somehow made it to the other side and you see a different way now. You see that it is cohesive. And I tell people all the time the magic number is like seven years, and I don't know why that is. But it seems like it takes almost that many years to kind of really become blended as a family. But I want to say there's a few things that I love about your book, Tiffany. So number one, like you just said, it is an easy read. I think that we're all pressed for time right now, and we don't always have time to get into a good book when we're parents. And so I love that it is a smaller book. Um, The next thing I loved right away, I love the layout of the book where you take situations that you've lived through chapter by chapter and you add the lesson learned from it as well as challenging feelings to consider, you know, going through that situation. So I really like that. And then last, I love that you have a sense of humor, uh, which is sprinkled throughout the book. And I think, you know, we can all use a little humor right now. So I just wanted to say very well done on the book. Thank you so much. It was, um, you know, hindsight is always twenty twenty, but it's a really great thing to be able to look back and laugh a little bit at some of the things you go through as a family. And I have to agree with you. Seven was the magic number for us. And, you know, the U.S. Census Bureau says that 66% of adults that recouple and there's a child in the mix or children in the mix um, will not survive and they'll end up getting divorced. And so for us, I think my husband and I just were fighting tooth and nail through the blending process. And when we finally reached that point where we knew our family was cohesive, that's when we were ready to get married because we had all been through the war zone, so to speak. And we just knew that our bond was going to be unshakable. Yeah. And just to tell you, we did the same thing. We were together for 
oh, I think it was nine years um, before we got married. And we, we were the same way. We were like, we have so much going on with these kids and life was so chaotic that we were waiting and, and we did, and it was right for us too. And so it's just a very um, similar story there. Tiffany, I'd love for you to share maybe what was the most challenging or difficult situation that you lived through with your blended family. And I also want to know what was the lesson that you learned from it? Oh gosh, we. I know had there's a so lot. <laughs> yes, we had so many. Um, one thing that I don't believe I mentioned in the book is um, the challenge. One of the, the roughest family challenges we faced early on um, was around family events or trips or vacations. And I do talk about family events and vacations in the book. However, um, there were several times where my daughters misbehaved so much that we ended up missing out on the trip or the party or the event. And either by way of me staying home with them or by way of me having to take them to a grandparent um, to be babysat that night to miss the event, that was really, really one of the hardest things we went through as a family because it it created so many hurt feelings on so many different levels. And for me as a parent, you know, it was embarrassing at the time because, you know, I I was a mom. I had two daughters. I thought I had this parenting thing down. But then when you throw a whole other family into the mix and all the outside sources that kind of swirl around that, um, it was really, really hard and really sad. And so unfortunately, you know, there were, there were really cool things we missed. And the lesson I learned from that is sometimes it takes really, really tough and really hard decisions. And often at the cost of your own happiness as a parent to make sure that you're being consistent in the guidelines and rules that you're setting for your blended family. That's a good one. That's a good one because consistency is so difficult just for any parent, but especially in a blended family home because things are changing so often and it's very hard to be consistent. So that was a great tip. One of the chapters in the book that I liked um, is Ho Ho Holidays, it's called. And I really (laughs) wanted to talk about that because... We're approaching the holiday season right now, and I remember the immense stress that we felt every single year right around this time. And you know, now that my kids are older, a lot of the stressors that we used to have are kind of fading away, but the memory definitely does not. I clearly remember all of the things we used to go to. So I wanted to know if you can offer some tips to get families through the holiday season. Maybe share some things that your family did that worked for you. Right. So the first tip I have right off the bat, and I don't know that this one's even expired yet with with my grown children, is to talk with your co-parent or your ex-partner about what the attire is going to be for the holidays and what to expect. Because there were several family events or holiday events that we were scheduled to go to or participate in, whether it be like a school Christmas concert or um, a friend's holiday party, whatever it might be. So many times I caught myself uh, without appropriate clothing for the kids. 
whether it was, you know, party dresses and tights and shiny shoes or tiny ties or, or, you know, casual Christmas sweaters. When the kids are split between two houses, um, the proper clothes doesn't always translate. So um, I would highly recommend that you kind of get out your calendars with your co-parent and your spouse or your partner and go through the events that are kind of a must attend because not only will you have agreements in your original divorce decree or your parenting agreement of who gets what and when, you know, life happens and relatives might come into town or something might get thrown on your calendar in addition to an adult party that you may want to attend and you may need to ask to switch weekends with the kids or days with the kids. So check the calendar, check the attire and get that in order. And then one thing that really made a difference in our family is that we always made an effort to care for our ex-spouse through holidays or birthdays or other events where we would um, take the kids to shop for a gift for their parent and, and help them wrap or help them prepare so that they could give something that meant a lot to them and that they treasured to that parent that they adored. And I think that by helping your kids be connected to all of their families, whether it's it's the co-parent, whether it's grandparents, whether it's cousins, to take the shame or the guilt out of asking to provide something for that family. Well, those are great tips as well. And I really like what you said there because I know that <laughs> when we divorce people, we don't generally care for them. And so the last right. thing that people might be thinking is, well, I need to think about the kids getting a gift for that person. But it's a very mature, responsible thing to do. Be, you know, when the kids are older, they can do that on their own and you should gently right. remind them. But when they're young, they can't do that. They don't know to do that. And it's up to us to set the right kind of example. And so I love that you said that. It shows maturity in your blended family because um, the immature thing to do is say, well, I don't care about that person. And, and that's unfortunately what happens a lot of times um, and because kids just don't know. So it's great to teach them. Uh, I noticed events comes up. It's a running theme for you. Uh, right. I found it interesting about the clothing because that was just never something that we personally experienced because our kids never really, um, we don't have a big family. And so we never did any dress up things. But I think that's such a wonderful idea because most of the time, even if each parent has a set of clothes, you don't always have the dresses, the, the dress shoes, the suits, any kind of those things. And so um, that was really, really good too, something that I hadn't heard before. Um, well, it even I works know- for school pictures, right? Like if yeah. it's their school picture day and they need to be in something that you don't have, uh, it helps. <laughs> Yeah. And, and you also, you know, mentioned communication with the ex. And I think that that's great too, because, um, a lot of parents don't understand that maybe the other parent isn't on the school list and they don't know when these special parties are or these special events. And you can't expect your child to remember to tell both parents. A lot of times they, you know, depending on the age, they don't remember. And it's just a nice thing to do. If there's a holiday party or something, an event for your child, it's nice to tell the other parent, Hey, did you know that such and such is coming up. And so, um, gosh, it sounds like you really, um, you grew a lot over the years with your blended family. I'm pretty impressed 
Absolutely. your blending skills because we <laughs> all know it is not easy. And I know that it wasn't always easy for you. In fact, in the beginning of the book, you say... Blending a family was my most intense, most heartbreaking, hair-tearing, super stressful, hardest, brain-melting, multitasking job I have ever had. And I had to read that quote from the book because it really made me giggle a little. So with that, (laughs) since hindsight is everything, Tiffany, what is one thing that if you had a chance to do over, you would? Something in your blended family that you just wish you could have a chance to start over again? I have to to really be honest and say it's a reflection of myself. I wish that I had had less ego attached to my feelings and mm-hmm. to realize that all of our kids were in a state of development, um, appropriate development with their age. And, and I mean this not just for my stepkids, but for my own kids who, you know, would really miss their dad and be homesick. And every time they visited him would come home and cry. And I get so frustrated, like you're home, get over it. Or, or, you know, my stepkids not wanting to participate or they didn't feel comfortable in telling me something. So they would tell their dad and my feelings would get hurt. And it really, it isn't about you. It's 99% not about you at all. And so if I could do anything over again, I would certainly be more mindful of the combination of everyone's feelings at their developmental stage and really have a thicker skin. Because as long as you're doing your best and you're loving everyone to your highest capacity, and and really, nobody really should act with malice, including your ex-partner. You know, you don't hold kids hostage um, in that type of relationship, but really work to take your personal feelings out of it. That's really good. Thank you for sharing that. You know, I think when people can be open, honest, and even vulnerable about sharing their experiences, it really gives other families more hope, especially when they see how families grow through situations and get to the other side of things where it's more peaceful. And some families do reach it quickly, but it can take years. And I love what you said about the ego because that's so, so good because that's the one thing that holds us back from connecting a lot of times because we overthink what people say and do and reactions when, like you said, most of the time, the way people act has nothing to do with us. It has mostly to do with them. And right. um, and, and so, and a thicker skin, boy, I, I remember, I tell, I've told this story probably before, but um, I'm a very sensitive person. And mm-hmm. my stepdaughter, mm-hmm. I remember that, you know, she was a little bit rough on me in the beginning. This is many years ago, but I remember one morning in the car, I was talking about something and she just turned and she looked at me and she said, I, could you please just shut up? Like something like that. And I, wow. I was so, or no, she didn't say shut up. She said, I, you please stop talking. It was something just as hurtful, you know, for me. Yeah, of course. But in, in reality, she just, it was early in the morning. She was on her way to school and she was in a mood and she just didn't feel like listening to me carry on about whatever. I was probably lecturing or something, but you know, I got very hurt and I, I mean, I almost even cried over it. And that was uh-huh. at the beginning. 
now I would never do that because now I understand after, you know, when you raise kids through teenage years, you understand that what they say doesn't, doesn't hold water. I mean, you know, they can be, they can be pretty vicious kids. And you know, what's interesting too, is like your biological child could have said the exact same thing Mm -hmm. and it would have less sting to it. Right. Yes. I, I, um, what was interesting in the process of writing this book is my oldest stepdaughter was the one that I felt like I clashed with the most. And it turns out like as she's grown and matured, she and I have a lot more in common than we realized, including that deep sensitivity that you're describing. And so when I would kind of review with her, like what I was talking about in the book or the stories I was sharing, she shared with me her perspective and it absolutely blew my mind because some wow. of the things I thought I knew, I did not know at all. And so- You mean about her? Yes, or her yeah. experience or the way her she- Her perspective. Yes, her perspective of what she experienced. And um, one of the examples in the book that I shared was I had redone her bedroom again and her mom- bought her new sheets and pillows. And um, I was really hurt by that. Like I had worked so hard to make this room and she wasn't comfortable and she didn't like it. She didn't say anything to me. So I had all these layers and layers of, of hurt feelings. And, you know, looking back, I was really grateful to her mom for taking such good care of her and taking her to the store and letting her pick, you know, comfy sheets and comfy pillows so that she would really enjoy her time at dad's house. And when I talked to her about this incident, she also told me, you know, um, Tiffany, I knew that money was so tight for our family at that time. And I remember being very, very aware of our expenses and how ha- hard you and dad were working. And I just didn't want to, I knew you had spent all this time and this money doing this bedroom. And I, there is no way I was going to ask you to buy me something different or something else. Wow. And I, I just, wow, like, wow. So that's just one example of many that even though there's so many challenging feelings to consider, there's always going to be something else. And, um, you know, working to have that sort of open communication and understanding and, and, you know, pulling your ego out of it because it just makes all the difference. Yeah, that is a beautiful story. It almost makes me want to go have some conversations with my kids to find out their perspective of stuff that is that has gone on because it is very true. Um, perspective is everything. And mm-hmm. so I love that you guys got to have that conversation. Um, that's just beautiful. And this has been an amazing conversation with you. And I really hope that my listeners are gaining some great tips. Um, Tiffany, how do my listeners purchase a copy of your book, Blended Not Stirred? You can purchase it online immediately at amazon.com or at barnesandnoble.com. But I always encourage people to support your local bookstore first and foremost. And if your local bookstore doesn't have a copy on the shelves, they can certainly order it for you. That's wonderful. And I'll be sure to add all of your links to my show notes 
with, I always just add an Amazon link, but I love what you said. Um, I just use Amazon for ease, but um, I agree. Uh, give small businesses a chance. So that's wonderful. Um, the book would make a great, um, even stocking stuffer because it is an easy read. Um, before we go though, Tiffany, I do have one final question and I would like you to share one thing that blended families can do right now to ensure that their family is actually blended and not just stirred. I would tonight um, sit down with everyone at the table and ask them for details about their day, not yes-no questions. Um, Ask open-ended questions so you can get a dialogue going and get to know each other better. And in fact, if that still is challenging for your family to do, there's a bunch of really neat um, books. For example, one's called What If... Um, one's called uh, Table Topic Conversations, I think. And you can just open to a page and ask a funny question. You know, would you rather do this or that? What would you do if you could meet any person dead or alive? And just open, open the conversation and really get to know each other. And you can create a really comfortable, safe atmosphere where the conversation's flowing and they don't have to guard um, themselves. Well, that's wonderful. Anytime a family can connect, I'm all about that. Uh, Tiffany, thank you so much for coming on the show and sharing your book. I really enjoyed our conversation. I did too. Thank you so much. And for the listeners, please pick up a copy of Blended Not Stirred by Tiffany Gravel. You will love the book and you will gain some tips from a mama who has been through it all and she's had the experience and she just wants to help. So thank you so much. You guys have a great week. You have been listening to the Blended Family Podcast. For more information, please visit the website at blendedfamilypodcast.com. Remember, to create the peaceful home you desire, all you need is love.